Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I've been talking about being equipped, that God has equipped every one of you. In other words, equipped means made you capable or able to do something for the glory of God. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It's not in your own strength, but it's through Christ Jesus that equips you. I can do all things through Christ, what? Who strengthens me. So if that's all things through Christ who strengthens you, that means that God has given you the ability. He's equipped you to do that which he's called you to do. So God will never send you in an area or call you to do something or ask you to give up something if he's not preparing you or equipping you to do it. Somebody say amen. So I want to talk to you today about equip you with joy. I don't know about this. I'm so excited about this, this message. Equip you with joy. If there's any time in our society right now or in our community and in our world, we need joy back in our lives again. Right now, there's so much anger. There's so much rage. There's so much dissension going on in our world. I believe that God wants to restore that and bring joy back to the hearts of the believers again. Amen? Amen. I tell you, when we travel, man, in different states, there have different laws about different rules about masks or no mask or this mask. And then when we went to Iowa, man, Cheryl and I were putting on our masks, and we felt like we were foreigners because Iowa is not mandating masks. And so what happened was they were all just not walking around with masks and so on and so forth. And so we go into the gas station with our masks on, and people look at us like we were aliens. I mean, they look at us like, what's going on? And then we kind of found out that there was no mass needed. So we go to our last gas station, and we go to the gas station. How many know about these gas stations, Love's gas stations? You know, they're diesel stops. I had my camper, so I had to go to a gas station that they uh, took gas with diesels and big semis because I needed to be able to have a turnaround. So what well, we figured, we're still in Iowa. You know, we're still in Iowa. Hey, why, why not? I don't have to wear my mask. So Cheryl gets out of the car and starts walking into Love's that gas station. And all of a sudden, we're still in Iowa where we're not supposed to wear a mask. All of a sudden, this lady starts going crazy on my wife. Wait a minute. You're supposed to wear a mask. She's screaming at my wife. And my wife's like, wait a minute. We're in Iowa. We don't need a mask. And you know what I'm seeing is that, guys, listen, can I be honest with you? Mask or no mask, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we live our life as Christ. And let's not let a mask separate us. There's bigger issues. There's bigger fish to fry than who wears a mask and who doesn't wear a mask. You hear what I'm saying? And what's happening, guys, listen, it's bringing division and it's sucking out life in people because he wears a mask and she doesn't. And so because he wears a mask and she doesn't, we have become enemies towards each other. And that's exactly what the Lord, what the enemy wants us to do. He wants to separate and divide. And let me just tell you something. Listen, God wants us to remain in love and in joy. In Psalms 51, I want to go back and I want to recap there with David. In Psalms 51, if you have that, go ahead. In verse 10, look at what David said. Notice what he did, and I want to recap this because I want to get to where I want to go in verse 13. Notice what David did. 
He didn't look or point fingers at everybody else. And so many times in life, what we like to do to be able to deflect it off on us, we like to point fingers at everybody else. And we like to blame them. We get into the blame game. Instead of keeping up with the Joneses, now our society has got into the blame game. We got into the blame game, and we walked away from keeping up with the Joneses. Now we're blaming everybody. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's their fault. Is it? But look at what David did. David didn't pin it on, him, on everybody else. He looked at himself. He said, create in me a pure heart. This is David's prayer. Oh, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You ever notice why David said that? David said that because if I allow my heart to get hardened, guess what happens? If I allow my heart to get hardened by all the circumstances and get into a blame game, what happens is my heart gets hardened, and as it gets harder, guess what it does? It squeezes out the presence of God. And when it squeezes out the presence of God, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what's happening Every time we get hard and every time we get upset and every time we're getting mad, we're squeezing out the joy of the Lord. And the opposite of joy is bitterness, anger, and rage. And so what the enemy is trying to do, he's trying to squeeze out the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, and he's doing it suddenly. Some of you, now I want you to hear this, some of you are in the frog experience. Some of you are in that frog experience of like, hey, if you jump right into a hot boiling pot of water, that, guess what? That frog is going to jump out. But what's happening is the enemy is subtle. He is subtle. If he smacked you in the face right off the bat, you know right off the bat you're going to come back and smack him. But he does things subtle. He does things subtle and slowly. He slowly makes and drifts you away. He slowly sucks away the life out of you. He slowly takes away the joy. And don't be like Samson when they come to get Samson and he finds out that his hair is cut and he has no strength. And what happens is to many believers right now is the enemy is subtly and slowly sucking the joy, the strength, and the life out of believers that what's happening is that we are walking powerless. We're walking powerless and we don't have the strength to stand up to the wiles of the enemy. So what we're doing, instead of fighting, instead of fighting that the righteous take it back by force, we are just surrendering. Because what's happening is we're Samson. Our strength is gone. And guess what? We're not even realizing it. Until we're faced with an attack, until we're faced with a situation, until we're faced with a battle, and then we find ourselves powerless and the enemy's like laughing, and God's he's crying because I said, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But guess what? If God never leaves us nor forsake us, who left? It's us. The average American moves every five years. Can you imagine what happens with believers? We move. But then he goes on to say, Restore to me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord God, put Put that joy back in my relationship with you. Put that joy back. Some of us, our relationship with God has become mundane. It's become dry toast. It's become crackers that were just dry, stale, stagnant. Then we become stinky when you become stale, stagnant, and stinky. And what's happening, David is saying, God, restore. Some of us need to be, ask God to restore 
Restore the joy in serving you, God. Bring back that excitement. Bring back that zeal. Bring back that, man, that, that precious moment that I have with you, God. Bring it back. Bring it back, God. He said, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now look at verse 13. I love this. After David did an examination of himself, instead of blaming game, instead of doing all that, he looked at himself first. And after he cleaned his own temple and took the speck out of his own eye, he then says this. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And turn sinners will turn back to you. In other words, David said, God... Man, a blind man can't lead a blind man unless we both fall off a cliff. So I can't be living and acting and doing what the world is doing. So, God, I have to separate myself and come out from among the world and be peculiar, be different, have a Joshua spirit. And he says, God, I have to become different. And so in order for me to become different, God, I have to ask you to cleanse my heart, my attitude, my mind, my thoughts, my thinking, my ways. Then... I can teach transgressors your ways. So he said that. He says, look, in verse 13, I love this. this verse 13 to be on the screen. The best experiences are personal experiences that we have gone through. Now get this. That we have gone through so that you can teach and help others. How many know that's true? That you can teach and help others. God, I want to help others and teach others by the example that you did in my life. Let me be that same way to others. I love this. Your personal experiences are a roadmap that others will follow, whether good and bad. You say others will follow. What do you mean by others will follow? Your children, your grandchildren, your family, your friends, whoever. They will follow your example, especially if you are the leader or the head of your home, there are people going to follow you. And they'll follow you even off a cliff or they follow you to scale a mountain. But they will follow you in your life. You are a road map. People follow you. Our relationship with the Lord should make others thirsty. Make others thirsty for him. Why? Because you are the salt. Our relationship with God should make others thirsty. I don't know about you, but how many of you know, man, when you get sick, what is the first thing you do when you get sick? You get, an, get a fever, you get an upset stomach. What is the thing that you do? You get out a can of chicken noodle soup. How many know what I'm talking about? But you just don't leave it at that, right? What do you do? You get a bunch of saltine crackers. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a bunch of sinners in here. Sinners, sinners down below. You better pucker up and let it go because you, you, you are not being honest. But we take that saltine cracker, Molly, and we crackle it all up and we put it in. Our th and before you know it, man, we're eating chicken noodle soup or we're eating crackers over our chicken noodle soup. But after we get done eating that chicken noodle soup with all those crackers, man, our mouth is thirsty, right? You're drinking more water than you thought, man. And then your bladder is full because when you take a lot of water, it keeps a lot of water in. And so you're walking around like a water balloon. You know what I'm talking about? But what salt makes you thirsty. And that's what we as believers are supposed to be. We're the cracker to the sick chicken noodle soup. 
and the chicken noodle soup are the unbelievers that don't know Christ but want to come to Christ, but they're too chicken. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, if you open your ears in the world, they'll be going, every once in a while, you're going to run into a co-worker, they're going to lay an egg right in front of you. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on, it's true. We need to be the cracker to the chickens. And they need to be thirsty for what we have. And they'll never be thirsty for what we have if we don't live it out for the fullness for him. Amen? I love this. We need to model Jesus. Talk like Jesus. Act like Jesus. And live like Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. What's coming out of your mouth? Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Out of the overflow of your mouth, overflow of your heart, your what? Your mouth speaks. What are you filling your heart with? Your heart is the container or the emotions of where God lives. And what's in your heart is going to come out of your heart. I remember some time ago, speaking about youth pastors, I was interning in Merrill, Wisconsin. As a matter of fact, we talked to a lot of the people from Merrill, Wisconsin uh, at our, on our trip. They called us. They're having a pastor opening there, and they were calling about one of my buddies to come and be their pastor there. Not me. I'm here. But they were calling about that church. And so anyways, I remember uh, there at Merrill, Wisconsin, I was staying overnight at my pastor's house, the senior pastor's house, and I was with their boys, and we were sleeping, and we set the alarm clock because the reason why I was staying there, we were going to go fishing early, early in the morning. And I'll never forget. What you put in is going to come out, right? So we set the alarm clock to the radio, and the radio goes off, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning. And all of a sudden, the radio came on. I'm going to rock down to Electric Avenue. I'm going to take you higher, right? So guess what? That was the first thing in the morning. Here I am fishing. I'm going to rock down to Electric Avenue. Avenue. My senior pastor's right next to me. He says, what did you just say? Oh, no, no, no. Because it says, I'm going to take you higher. You're going to do what? But that was the first thing that came into my heart. And out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth was speaking. The question is, what are you putting in that's coming out? You got to be careful what you're putting in here because it will come out there. All right? In John chapter 15. I love these chapters. And Jesus is speaking there, and he's using the example about a parable of the vine. That you are the the vine, and we are the branches, and he is the vine. And he's talking here in John 15, and he says there in verse 7. He said, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now watch this. He says, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. In other words, God gets happy, excited when you remain in him. He said, this is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So you notice what he says? If you remain in me. In other words, remain in Christ. Remain is him. It means to be strong in him. It means that you be steadfast in him, that you don't drift away from him. I always say this. Listen. The Bible says in John 15, verse 5, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And here's what's happening with the church. Can I really be honest with you as a pastor? I'm afraid for the church. And here's why I'm afraid for the church. The Bible says that you're going to be caught without oil in your lamp. And there was the, the, what, the virgins that went out and searched for the Lord. And many of them had half their lamps full. Some of them had a little bit of oil. And then one was full of oil and was able to keep their lamps shining until the duration, until the master came. And the syllable or the parable of that was that are we ready, is our lamp full until Jesus comes home? Right? But here's what my biggest fear is. And this is prophetic. This is what God gave me in my prayer closet. So I'm giving you some prophetic words. God showed me in the, in, in the prophetic way that what's happening with the church today, the church is slowly but surely drifting away from the Lord. It's slowly but surely drifting away from the Lord. With this epidemic that's going on, this COVID that's going on, what's happening is giving people a reason or an excuse to not come to church. So when I'm out into the community now, here's what I'm hearing. I don't need to have church anymore. Church is, man, at my house. I don't need to go to church. I can pray when I'm at home. I don't need to go to church, man, because, man, I have my body. All those are right. But here's the danger. Ten against one is not a fair fight. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to isolate you and pull you out of the strength or the power or the, or the uh, uh, sharpening of the family that when he's got you where he wants you, that's where he's going to get you. And what's happening, the church is being loud to sleep. And the Bible says he's not coming for a church that's asleep, but he's coming for a church what's alive. And I'm here to tell you today, thank God that you are tapped into the vine. Remain in the vine. Because apart from him in John 15, verse 5, you can do nothing. And in verse 4 says, if you depart from the Lord and you detach yourself from God, get this, and you bear no fruit, he said, that which you don't bear, you're just picked up and thrown into the fire. A tree or a branch that doesn't bear fruit. I'm here to tell you today, we need the church more than ever before. It's time that the church rises up and becomes the church of Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I am not ashamed of who I am. I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm a Holy Ghost filled talker and walker in Christ. I will not compromise in who I am. I'm grafted into the vine. I am grafted into him. He's my strength. He's my anchor. He's my hope. He's my joy. He's my peace. You know what God is to me? God is like spinach to Popeye. Man, the more I take in God, the stronger I get. Oh, this is my olive. Oh, olive. Yeah, on our wedding cake. Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus knew that you and I were going to face struggles. That's why he says, remain in me. Steve, that's why he says remain. Don't, don't allow yourself to drift away. You know where we start drifting away at? Can I really be honest with this? I'll just be prophetic with you right now. Mark, you know where we start drifting away with God first and foremost? Right here. We start to reason of why we don't need this and why we don't need that. 
why we don't need God, why we don't need to read the word, why we don't need to pray, why, oh, I'm just right, just like. Don't be caught with your, your lamps empty because God is coming for the church. And if you're anything like me, I love to read, and I'm, I'm more of an encourager and, and, and as a pastor. But if you know anything about the end times, they're pointing more and more to the end times like ever before. If we can't see it, man, I'm telling you, open our eyes. Man, when my wife mentioned about Noah, man, I mean to tell you, we brought that CD, and yes, board members, I put it on the church dime because it's going to be for the church. We're going to show it in the church. I'm going to tell you something, because Noah's day was exactly what we're going through now. They couldn't find a church without spot or wrinkle, and they shut up the ark because why? There was no man or woman that was pure or holy before God. Let's not be that church that drifts away. But let's be a church that says, God, you see, listen, I love this. Jesus is not a one-shop stop, a stop shop, where he fixes you and sends you on your way. You say, well, yeah, he no, he doesn't give up on you. He is with you always until the end. So remain in him. Man, just remain in him. I love what it says in verse 8. Verse 8 of that, John 15, verse 8, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Think about that. When I wrote this message and I was inspired to write this, what's the disciples? Disciples are gospel spreaders, fruit bearers, heart menders, and Christ lovers. Come on. That's who you are. You are a disciple. You have joined the team. You are a gospel spreader, fruit bearers, heart menders, and a Christ lover. And guess what? I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say it. I love this. A role as a disciple is like an actor who plays the role in a movie. How many know what I'm talking about? I used to be in the plays. I used to love drama. When we were at Journey Church in Kenosha, I did all these dramas. And when I was a kid in junior high, I did the dramas. What goes on in Yellowbird's Wigwamp? I can't hear the sound. And I remember doing all those dramas, right? Making sure you're front center. Making sure you're speaking aloud. Making sure you're exaggerating more than you normally do. Open your mouth. Keep your eyes open. All these things, right? I knew my role. I knew my parts in the play. Guess what? You are in the play for God. The play is the plan that God wants you to be, his disciples to the max. I love this. Our role as a disciple is to live and act out Jesus. Live and act out Jesus. The Bible says don't just be doers of the word. I mean, don't be just hearers of the word but be doers of the word. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And Sherry, when your heart's in love with someone, you're going to be motivated to show that love to that one that you're in love with. I'm in love. I remember some time ago when I was praying in Watertown, South Dakota, in my office. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Man, my office was in the basement, and right above me was Gail Brooks and Lexi Vetch. 
and the Holy Spirit came into my office, and I just began to cry and began to sing out before the Lord. And before you know it, my crying and my singing, man, next thing you know, I didn't even know because I was so entrenched with God that Gail Brooks and Lexi Vex walked into my office unaware that they were there. They were stealing some of the presence of God, amen. But in my, in my time, God gave me a song. I'm in love, 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 I'm in love. Sweet Holy Spirit, I'm in love. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Now watch this. Sweet Holy Spirit, I'm in love. I just didn't let my words sing off my lips. I lived out the words that were coming out of my lips. When you are in love, you're going to respond with love. You see, listen, I love this. John 15, verse 16. Look at what he says. You did not choose me. You didn't choose me. But Jesus, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. That fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. How many remember the day when you were younger? Molly, I'm picking on you today, but you were an athlete, man, superstar athlete. I see you all over. I'm so proud of you. Way to go. She's our hockey player of the, of the, of the town, amen. And I'm proud of you. I really am. But you remember... Been when you were a kid, and maybe you weren't such a good athlete. And I remember these days because I had to be the captain because I was kind of a good athlete. But you remember these days when the teacher would say, line up along the wall. And you have two, two captains, and you had to pick your team. Come on, remember that? And then usually what happens with the captain, the captain picks the best to the last, right? Maybe... You were the last one picked, and you were embarrassed or ashamed, man, that you didn't want to go back to gym class the next day because you didn't want to be the last one picked out again. But here's the beautiful thing with God. God doesn't line you up along the wall. God doesn't say, I want you first, I want that one second, and leave you last. When God chose you, he chose us all at once. And guess what? You made the A squad. God didn't put you on a B squad or a C squad or even a D squad. You made the A squad for God. And that's what he's saying. I chose you. You see, with God, he picks us all at one time. No wall standing or embarrassing moments. You made the A squad. Verse 16, I've got to go over quick. Bear much fruit, fruit that will last. The way you bear fruit is by laying it out and giving it out. Now get that. By living it out 
You see there's how it is? By living it out and giving it out. I love it when Dan Stevens goes to Texas and sells, sends me grapefruits and oranges. I love it when you guys give me the Michael. Where you at, Michael? Giving me those zucchini. Mike took them to Wisconsin Dells and see my sister. We fried those bad boys. They were good. Amen. I love it when I get the fruit of someone else's labor. Amen. That means my fingernails are clean and Michael, yours are dirty. Amen. But I get to see the fruit of your labor. And what happens, he's saying, he says, I want to see the fruit, Terry, of your labor. I want to see the fruit of your life. I want to not only see you living it, but I want to see you giving it. You see, you, you will never know the level of your fruit if it never tested under fire or given out to others. You never know. You never know that level of fruit. How many have ever been a beneficiary of someone giving you fruit of their, man, showing you kindness, love, generosity? How many have ever been that way? Come on. Man, we got a lot of liars again. But, I mean, you got the benefit of their fruit. Maybe they helped you in a situation. Maybe they gave towards you and they were generous. Maybe they were there to pray with you, whatever the case may be. But you got the beneficiary of their fruit. And when you got that beneficiary of their fruit, guess what? It made you feel good because, man, someone was showing appreciation, love, and gratitude to you and even honor and respect. And it's the same way. Man, hey, we got to play it forward. And, man, if they give it to you, you got to give it back. And when you do that, it warms the hearts of many people. You see, what happens sometimes, a lot of times in our society, is we become eye-centered instead of him-centered. And when we become eye-centered, it's all about me, 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 me. And me, man, just is gathering all the possessions, all the things of the world, all the things that we can gain to give us fulfillment or joy or peace in our lives. But as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, that's just a chasing after wind. It's just a chasing after the wind. One of the things that Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he said, I've learned one thing, that all the things that I gathered, the possessions and the material goods and so on and so forth, all that I had, man, it came to naught. But one of the greatest lessons he learned, that's the greatest lesson I learned, is that helping and giving and sharing with others. Come on. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul to a funeral. And God wants you to give out your fruit. A kind word can change a heart. A smile costs nothing, but it creates much. God wants us to be fruit bearers, to show that of others. I love this. The fruit, the Lord does not, excuse me, let me go back. It says this, fruit that last is not a fad. It is a lifestyle that's lived out until he comes. What does fad mean? For a day. Fruit is not a fad. It's a lifestyle that I choose to live every day. The Lord does not want you to live it out for him when it's just convenient. When it's easy to live it out. It's easy to show my fruit. It's easy to be good because I'm in a good moment. I'm in a good time. Our fruit is always have to be tested. And we're going to go under struggles. We're going to go under fire. We're going to have pressures. But how are you reacting when you're being squeezed? Is the good fruit coming out or the bad fruit? 
The fruit that you bear is weather-tested and placed under fire and proven genuine. Man. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. I know i got to get moving. I'm tough. Thus by their fruit, thus by your fruit, you will recognize them. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, 2, that you are peculiar, you're different. The reason why he says you're peculiar and different is because of the fruit that comes out of you. It's the fruit that you bear. It's the fruit that you give out. It's the fruit that you share, whether good or bad. That's what God wants us to do. You see, listen, they will know you by your fruit, what? When it stands the test of time through the struggles and hardships. Let me ask you something. How do you act at work? How are you acting in front of your coworkers? Are you bearing fruit or are you jumping in the bathtub with them? Rub-a-dub-dub, three men in the tub. And maybe we're cursing, talking, acting, being just like them. How are they going to see your fruit if you're doing the same thing? Believers in Christ are like big fruit trees with many branches and different types of fruit. Galatians chapter 5, I love this. I'm going to blow through this now, I promise. I, see it's, I promise I'm going to get done. Watch this. We're like a bunch of fruit trees. Tutti fruity, oh Rudy. That should be a, the believer's song. Right? Come on, Pam. Tutti fruity, oh Rudy. You don't know that song. I know that. Where's Murray when I need Murray, right? But look at what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Uh, if there's anything I want you to hear, this next statement, I want you to hear this. Gifts are what you do. Gifts, now get this, gifts are what you do. God distributes the gifts according to his will. Some maybe have the gift of hospitality. Some may have a gift of being servants. Some may have a gift of generosity. That's what you do. But fruit is who you are. Somebody say amen. amen. Fruit is who you are. That's the character of Christ in you. That's who you are. Your DNA is the gifts of who God wants me to do for, but the fruit is who I want to live for, and that's Christ. You got that? So I want to get to the joy. I'm jumping way ahead. So jump down. So one of the things, if you notice, it said love, joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Remember that song, right? I got the piece of passive understanding down. Things are basically all the fruits of the Spirit. Joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Matthew, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now watch this. 
Joy is having peace in your heart that no matter what happens, everything will be all right. No matter what comes against me, everything's going to be all right. I got to feel it. Everything's going to be all right. You ever know that one? Yeah, yeah. There, somebody got that one. Man, that's when I used to go to St. Paul, Brother Graham's church. It'll be all right. Be all right. Oh, Sister Tambourine. Be all right. Hats were flying all over the church. I kid you not, back in the day. Mm-hmm. That was in St. Paul. They had a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Listen to this. Joy is a fruit that laughs at the mess because it knows the outcome. I win. Oh, we may go through. Yeah, you win. You may go through some struggles, but God can take your mess and give you a message of how you came out of that struggle. But you remain in joy. You want to get somebody mad? Laugh in their face. You want to get the enemy mad? Remain in joy because the enemy wants to suck your joy. He wants to take it out of you. He wants to drain you. He wants to deplete you. He wants to depress you. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. But the joy of the Lord is going to sustain me. It's going to help me. It's going to pull me through my struggles. Because why? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Joy comes when we know who is fighting our battles and moving our mountains. The battle's not yours. It's God's. I close. Ethan, will you come on up? Ethan, worship team. The results of joy, and I'm going to blow. You got some pencil paper. I want you to write this down because this is going to give you some food for thought. To put on your refrigerator. The results of joy. Number one, in our weakness, he's made strong. That gives me joy. That gives me joy. In our weakness, he's made strong. Right there on the screen. Thank you. Another one. The battle is not mine, but his. That gives me joy. He gives me peace that the world does not give. That gives me joy. No weapon formed against me will or shall prosper. That gives me joy. He comforts me in my pain. That gives me joy. You see, we have so much to rejoice about. Why? Because you and God, Bob, make a majority. And if God before you, we all can quote this, so come on. Who can be against us? That gives me joy. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.